welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Chase Griffin of Showtech Solutions. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. So every episode usually has a different cybersecurity theme. We've talked about CIS controls, which is a monthly occurrence now with Matt Lee, where we get into the fireside chat. Uh, I had I had uh, Charles Love on uh, my boss. last <laughs> week or the week before, and we were talking about how policies are for everyone. And, yeah. you know, coming off of CyberQP and all of the, the great uh, educational sessions that were happening there, it got me thinking about something that you said, and that was, how do I get buy-in from our staff? How do I get them to yeah. want to do this? And more importantly, can I show evidence that it's actually being done? Yeah, so, I think another part of that, too, not to to jump in too no, quick please do. Here, but, you know, uh, it's not, and I was talking to Chad about this earlier, um, you know, it's not just about getting them to want to, but getting them, you know, even if you get them to want to, you need them to actually engage on an intellectual level with it, you know, right. to where, uh, you know, you can create a ticket every month for, for your tech to go and check the inventory and have them line it up and go up oh, last month. It was 52 this month. It's 52 devices on our network and boom, but you don't know if there's anything lurking in that data either. You, you need them to also be able to, to, walk the walk and and talk the talk just as much as you want them to want to follow your policy you know um and that i think that's a challenge too um because all of this is you know security isn't just about um checking all the boxes and and, and uh generating the right tickets and and checking the right things it's it's about processing the data properly and making sure that nothing's slipping through the cracks as well so well, and I guess that's an interesting way of saying it because I think about all of the things that you can implement, but how do you verify and, and yeah. not to make this like a tools conversation because we don't want to do that yeah. at all. But I think no. about like, you've probably heard this. You may have even said this. I think maybe all MSPs at one point have said this, like, ah, no big deal. I know it failed this patch yep. cycle, but we'll catch it on the next one. That is the nature of the MSP. You know, everything's <laughs> do or die right now. So so if, I mean, I think that's a great example though, of like, you know, maybe six years ago, 10 years ago, that wasn't necessarily yep. a, a huge deal because we didn't have the vulnerability exposures happening as frequently as I think what we see today, like, you know, patch Tuesday exists for a reason. Yeah, um, We've even seen this with Apple with their new rapid response uh, security patch cycles. And, and I think that we still see the, mental state of some MSP, MSP still being in that, like, well, I'm not patching now because if I did, what other problems might we, uh, you know, unlock? And it's like, well, yeah, maybe a whole bunch, but are they worse than the probability of bad things happening if you don't get the patch yeah. installed? So obviously this is just one aspect of, of kind of the idea around like making sure we, we do things in a certain way that gets into maybe measuring more of a, uh, in, intent to get to root of problem or a uh, yeah. intent to do things the, the right way the first time that it's less about how quickly can I close the ticket and more about how how are we as an organization 
prioritizing that yeah. mental state or that cybersecurity state where, you, like you said, uh, I'm using my intellect to make decisions rather than following a routine that I can almost do in my sleep. Yeah. Uh, so like what, how I look at that. So my experience as an engineer is coming from, um, you know, I, I started at an MSP almost fresh out of high school, green behind the ears. Right. And there's, it's hard when you're first getting, you know, especially at the, the level that you're going to be, you know, assigning these tasks out. It's hard to really understand as maybe a less experienced engineer, why you're doing certain things, you know, you get the tasks, you do them. But right. what I'm finding more is with our techs, when, when I talk them through, Hey, we're imp implementing this new workflow. This is why we're doing it. And you talk to them, you know, and explain the reasoning behind things. It's a lot easier for them to sit there and chew on it and then spit something back out at you that, well, that might not work because of this reason. It may be something in your process that inhibits it or something like that too. But, you know, I think getting them to engage, talking them through it instead of just, you know, throwing a task at them. Um, it's, it's going to help your process a lot too, because you're going to get that kind of boots on the ground feedback, but also you're going to have the aspect of it where, well, now this is a process that they kind of have ownership of. And that's during our, our workshop session. That was one of the things that I kind of uh, wrote down for, for the first couple of controls is like, where does ownership fall on this? Cause you know, it, that is a great various, question. Yeah. Various levels. I mean, like, you know, your CISO, you could say your CISO owns the responsibility ultimately, but your CISO may not be the one doing all of your your daily churn with with the tickets that are being generated to to check on these things that you need to check on. Um, what does ownership mean to you? I guess in the context of say a control or a safeguard, what is what does owning it mean? Like let's just assume it's been executed and yeah. implemented. What does ownership mean? I I I think engineers kind of develop ownership. You know uh, when you are involving them in the process development, you know, okay. when they feel empowered to affect the, the way that they're doing their work. So you're saying uh, more of like who should take ownership in some cases, yeah, not necessarily and, who owns it and make sure it. Yes, exactly. Making sure that, that, that when you're, uh, you know, implementing you're making the my head hurt right now, because I really <laughs> like what you just said. We have yeah. a set of safeguards and we can talk about poems and assigning tasks to yeah. implement those safeguards. But if correct me if I'm wrong, the way I'm understanding what you're saying is like, who's responsible in my organization for saying that we are successfully achieving and maintaining yes. evidence to support that the safeguard is being satisfied. Yeah. And, and there's, there's obviously operational challenges with that because you know, especially the larger your organization grows, the harder it is gonna it's gonna be to kind of filter things down and get direct feedback in a way that isn't completely gonna rework the way that you know. Yeah, this isn't you know, you know, your help desk level one help desk tech telling you that the CEO has screwed up and is violating the policy. Exactly. But but that awareness that some of those things are happening, I think, and often go largely unreported. So like it, you can't you can't fix something if you don't know about it yeah exactly and 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 especially you know whether whether it's process kinks whether it's uh 
the data you're getting not being good for whatever reason. Um, you know, as, as, as your techs are going through their day and doing these tasks, they're going to be the ones that are picking up on certain things that are like, well, you know, I thought we had, you know, more devices than this, or maybe last month we had fewer devices and, and, uh, you know, you don't want them to just look at it and, and, you know, go, oh, it's nothing. Again, that's the nature of the MSP. That's kind of the way that we have existed for the last decade, for at least for as long as I've been <laughs> in the game. <laughs> and, right. Uh, you know, it's 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 definitely uh, a cultural thing where, you know, it's it's a matter of engaging the people who are involved in the processes at all levels and understanding why you're implementing them. Security is only as good as our understanding of security, ultimately. Right, um, because you can you can only follow a task so well. And when when a variable changes and all you do is know how to follow it, then yeah. you can't follow it anymore. What yeah. do you do? Yeah, exactly. And your your techs are never gonna understand the the foundations of security as well as maybe a CISO is, but for the things they're touching, it's really important for them to know why they're doing it uh, and, and not just, you know, and be a part a, of that, be a part of that process. Like it's yes. not just me executing this it's me pushing or, or sort of participating in defining what it is like, Hey, the scope needs to change. Here's why. Or, yeah. you know, we've got stuff in here that we're not doing. doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It just needs to make sure that it gets, if it if it's not wrong that you're not doing it, like there are things that maybe don't apply, you would not want that to still be included in your policy because, well, it says you have to do it or that you're doing it and you're not. So yes. now you're contradicting yourself. Yeah. So, so and, and go ahead. To add to that, I mean, there's there's a, the added bonus in this of now, you know, you you have somebody else involved in the process refinement. So that it gets better. It just, you know, over time. The natural progression. Yeah, exactly. And it's always an iterative process. Like you said, you know, at the, the conference, it's it's all of this is not just a check the, the box and you're done. And you so, so we have ownership. Everything's good. So we have ownership kind of at the, um, for lack of a better word, kind of at the at the bottom. It's not, that's not even the right way to say it, but like making sure that you have ownership that's responsible for the execution. And I think that's to a degree that that's what this is saying. And, yeah. and I don't know that I've seen that actually written well in policies where who, who owns this policy or, you know, it's often assumed like, Oh, well, that's the security officer. So while that's potentially true, let's actually talk about it from that, that perspective. Like let's just say you have 10 policies to keep the number slim to slim for a yeah. minute. So I can do the math, but like, 10 policies are created and developed by leadership. And this is an area where uh, Charles and I were kind of, um, I, I kind of felt like I hit a brick wall or maybe he felt like he hit a brick wall. We were on yeah. an integrators group call and he talked about, you know, having all employees sign off on policies. It's like, well, are all pol yep, policies relevant one. to all staff? Maybe. So I, I've come to the conclusion that from where he's sitting, it makes perfect sense for most, if not all policies to at least be acknowledged and signed off on that. I understand yep. that our organization is going this direction, but now we're getting into like that sort of like policy development or, you know, what's, how, how do we, how do we ensure the evidence that goes with 
the the doing part. We we've established the why. Yeah. We've established the how we're gonna do it. We've established like what it's gonna look like when it's done. But but who owns that? Because you have the ownership that we're just got done describing, which is I own ensuring that reporting to leadership, hey, this failed or it was successful in that that cadence. Yeah. But now what about the leadership side? Like, I mean, what are your thoughts on how leadership should be looking at, you know, maybe it's MFA or uh, BYOD type stuff. What does that look like? Maybe even just give me an example within Showtech on how a solution provider should be thinking about this from a leadership and taking, taking a leadership approach to owning the, the cybersecurity process. So I, and I think I can illuminate, uh, maybe Charles perspective on it a little bit more, because I'll say one thing that Charles does really well is um, as a leader, he's really uh, informing us on, you know, the, the, the things that are important, you know, there are certain policies that we have at Showtech that are the unforgivables, you know, a pr- account not protected by MFA. That's one of them. And coming through the door, you know, and and this is one of those things where it's like throwing policies at people feels really harsh a lot. But I think that it is important that we have a a solid foundation of, hey, these are the bare minimums. They're so critical that your job relies on this, you know? Well, I mean, you wouldn't want me to say, you wouldn't want like an employee handbook to say like, just use the uh, internet appropriately. That's the end of it. No, no. you want to say MFA. You want to, you want to point to the, the hard, you know, these are the things that are tangibly going to affect the security of your account status, your employment status. No, you cannot deploy a legacy app just because it's cool and was supported. No windows seven. I don't care how much you miss it. It's not, it, it doesn't work. So we have some of the baselines and that circle of what the baseline is. I think it's, um, ever expanding and ever shrinking. And for different companies, it might expand and shrink at different paces at different times. Right. Um, Isn't that a problem though, at the end of the day, when you ask people for, you know, like, well, here's a good example. I I would like you to, you know, review the following uh, email before I send it out. You're like, ah, I already left the office and I left my company computer at work. And you're like, ah, no problem. When you get home, just sign on to 365 and your personal account. Just let me know. It'll take you five minutes. And there's so many, forget cybersecurity for a second. There's so many ramifications of that. In fact, if you're in California, you suddenly have put yourself in a position of like, I now owe you compensation for technology because you did this at home. So I think like there's this weird sort of, balance in that byod space too because i know we want to say no to byod but you know there's things that tend to happen within that byod space it's like oh wait i i just blurred the lines i used my token generator or fill in the blank that was me about five years ago mixing my personal and my work uh you know authenticator which is not great because I, I wasn't really protecting my own authenticator with my life. I, you know, I, I even was pretty lax with it going back not that far. I think it's, again, it is a cultural shift. But when we get to the how, there are a lot of technical things we can do to manage that. De- definitely some challenges, depending on your organization. What we're looking at right now is our BYOD, I think, has been pretty, um, pretty lax. And as we're growing, it's something where 
we don't want it to be because that's kind of like why the, I brought it up. Like, I feel like yeah. BYOD is the, like, it, it's like, it's say it's one. like having the birds and the bees talk with your kids. You don't really want to have yeah. the conversation, but you know, you have to BYOD, I think yeah. has on the one hand, these conveniences that we don't really ever want to give up. And it doesn't matter if you're the tech or the owner. Yeah. You, you all fall in that camp, but then there's the flip side of this, which is, if I don't fall in line to a model that says, here's the limitations or no exceptions, no BYOD, we're putting both personal and business at risk at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And that's like our thing is like, yeah, you can slap an MDM. You could you could slap in tune on, on you know, it could be your policy that, you know, they, they get in tune on their device, you pay them a stipend or they, you pay for a company phone. Right. But sure. then you get into, if you're given a stipend, well, if you need to wipe that person's device because they went and lost it and it has critical information on it, yeah. you know, you risk blowing out, you know, precious family pictures that, you know, pictures of people's parents that are no longer with us, or, you know, there's really important stuff on our devices and, and, uh, there's operational challenges with telling people, Hey, this is a requirement. Your personal devices, you know, we know that it makes it easier to do your job. Uh, but you know, now we got to slap an Intune profile on it and Hey, if someday we wipe your stuff, tough, you know, tough luck. Uh, that's not a great policy. It doesn't, I don't think we want to be the ones to tell employees this either, but I, I've been, I've been chewing on this one since it is such a big one. And there are some, some technical controls. There are ways that you can lay this out. And I, I this is where it gets into proving the how is like where you have to get technical, you know, um, I think sure. want or, or at everything. the very yeah, technical, the tech is really more the tool, right? It might not necessarily yes. be a, a digital but it is so you're writing it down on a piece of paper could be your technical tool, right? Like obviously that yeah. you're going beyond that, but so go ahead. Yeah. Walk me through sort of the technical, if you will, of how you go about managing or, or ensuring that those things are happening. Yeah. I mean, um, they, like I said, getting technical and this is, you know, you're not always going to maybe have as a, as somebody who's writing the policy, the complete technical know-how of, of how Intune has changed in the last three seconds. Um, but, you know, working with your engineers, your engineers, if you find a need for BY, you know, a robust BYOD policy, other than just, Hey, uh, don't download our stuff on your phone. Yeah. Um, you know, Intune has tools, the Intune company portal, um, you can kind of lock all of your company stuff in a box and you could set up conditional access to say, Hey, only devices can only access these resources through, uh, the company Intune company portal. And, uh, if we ever have to wipe it, all we're wiping is this, we can't see your browsing history. We can't see your text messages, your photos. We sure. can't see anything that you don't want us to see. And, uh, and then, how proven you know you you have uh policies in a, in a technical interface that you can uh show for um but you as a policy writer don't always necessarily know exactly all the the tunable things and that goes to when you're writing a policy it may not just be uh going into your policy manager and spinning one up and typing your name and you know to all the company namespaces you know, uh, work with your engineers, develop a, a solution, and then uh, have like a, uh, there are solutions out there for like, you know, CSAT, um, where you can yeah. upload evidence and provide it to auditors. And that can be screenshots of your, your policy. Um, and, you know, obviously, 
going to be different for everybody. I always, I, I say that a lot because that I think that's one of the big challenges is that it is so different for everybody, but there are again, tools that we, we have access to and um, you know, for policy writers, um, I think this goes back to, you know, handing ownership over to some of your techs, which helps develop them as, as engineers and as techs. And, um, and then you're able to, you know, develop a better policy. You're able to um, technically answer for certain things. And that's a lot more tangible than just having a piece of paper that says, hey, we do this. I feel like if you get into writing the to to your point about while we were at CyberQP and we were talking about we were talking through the controls with Matt Lee the the game as we like to call it yeah you know if you understand the why the control exists and you get into the what it is that you have to protect and the how you're going to go about doing it and then you get into the tools and the evidence to support that one of the things that comes to mind for me is that if you start with a tool there's a good chance you will fail because you're going to write a policy now to the yes. tool instead of writing your policy and going, hey, is this like a manual process today because it's 2023 and the technology doesn't get yep. exist yet to help me show evidence? Or or is this one that's like, hey, uh, the tools that we were looking at don't do this, but these tools over here do. Yeah. I mean, you saw it when we started the exercise before we got to the game. Every time Phyllis announced the next control, everybody in the room immediately started talking about the tool that they used to solve yeah. the problem. And I'm like, yep. these weren't written <laughs> to be solved by a tool. They were written to be solved by people who may, in yes. fact, use tools to help show evidence or to control that they're staying in check. So within, yeah, within, uh, yeah I, I, we could go down a rabbit hole with this, but like, I, well, in, I was just about to say, you just hit, you just got down to the bedrock of like, again, if people aren't engaging with the idea of what is security and how do we, you know, put security as one of our first priorities every day. And that's not the easy thing to do, right? We all want the tool. We want the, we want to, click the thing and we want everything to start working. And then we just want to check back and make sure it's good every other day, you know? So I, I think you did just hit the bedrock of we can answer with all these tools. And if you're starting at a tool, you're probably starting on the wrong foot in the first place. You know, you want to start from a place of understanding what you're trying to accomplish, understanding your own organization and understanding what weaknesses you may have in, in your posture. Um, and that that is the the absolute bedrock of security. You 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 have to want to be secure, and you have to engage with the idea of security at more than just uh, the the level where you're wanting to to whip the tool out of the box and just have right. it done. And and I don't know how many times how many times we've had this conversation. You know, it's it's a um, you know like. Well, I guess at the end of the day, it's it's complicated, right? Because our engineers and techs are are by their very nature culturally driven to find a tool that will solve the problem, yep. and yep. and I think the narrative here is, and I think you're kind of articulating it as we look at evidence to support this. Tools definitely help us show evidence, but what yeah. tools don't do is know in advance what it is we're trying to solve for. Yes, and there's a lot of technology out there that does, in fact, help, like you're saying 
The problem is you've got to figure out, is it the right tool or is it, is it worth it to have a tool in the equation just to automate something that maybe doesn't really need to be automated? There's a mind, there, there, there is a mindset aspect to it, right? I mean, you started off the conversation by saying, you know, MSPs, you know, that's, that's our thing is where we want it just done now. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's the hamster wheel of security. It's the fatigue you get from having to enforce it every day. I think that keeps us asking the question of like, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we solve for this? um without a tool and and or how to solve for this and then realize you might need a tool in order to be successful and that if you can't bring a tool into the equation can you successfully satisfy the control and if you can't does that get into compensating controls or like you know you're getting into an area where can you show evidence then at that point that you are meeting or exceeding the requirement of the safeguard and i think I think that's obviously that's a conversation for another day, but I think the the point that I think we're both making here is evidence is not as complicated as it's being made out. And if you have evidence to support a safeguard, odds are you can build a policy if you don't already have one that goes along with it. If you have a policy and you haven't done the other steps, then don't jump to tools before you've had a chance to walk through the why am I doing this? Yeah. What is it in fact? How am I going to achieve this? And and then do I have the tools or do I need to get tools to help me show evidence for this control? Anything else that um, you can think of that we might have missed? No, I mean, I, I you know, uh, policy might be enough to get your cybersecurity insurance policy, right? Um, the tool might be enough to pass the audit. But one or the other is not going to be enough to uh, to ultimately satisfy your security needs. Um, and the evidence, if you're if you're building a good security stack, writing good policy, and um, and not leaning on you know the tools, they're great. But if you're not leaning on them too much, you're going to be secure. You're going to be able to show evidence that you're secure, and ultimately. Uh, your your staff is going to engage with security at a higher level than just a ticket to turn over you right. know, once a week. You know? Well, and I think that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here is like to get away from to get away from evidence being like this one off or evidence being yeah. a, a thing that you solve for because you know something. This has to be an actual process that you can communicate yep. effectively. Uh, evidence comes from uh you doing the thing <laughs> right right <laughs> evidence right. that you don't get the evidence unless you're doing the thing you know yeah um, in this, but i guess to your point and what we were talking about earlier like who has ownership it's not just about collecting the evidence it's making sure that you've reviewed the evidence to make sure that the evidence is supporting the doing yeah. the thing not contradicting and saying no you haven't been doing this for at least six months exactly. just wait for the next patch cycle though you'll be fine yeah. And the more you bring your, your text into the fold, the more, and uh, so for some context at ShowTech, we've been working with the idea of siloing. We're siloing certain categories of tasks to certain texts. And that way we can carry process to them and, and you know, help have them engage with it. And the more that we bring them into the fold, 
I, the more our security score goes up. I, I, we, we, so from the uh, cyber QP event, we actually had a vendor that we got an NFR for, you know, did an onboarding with and, um, and, you know, we had the highest secure baseline security score before, you know, their tool touching any, uh, of our equipment. When we did the evaluation, we got the highest, uh, baseline score that they had seen. And that's because we are engaging with the ideas of security at every level. Charles is pushing us to do this from a high level. I'm kind of figuring out technical ways that we can solve for problems that we might have in our security stack. And I'm passing those down to the techs and the techs are engaging with it, giving us feedback. We're refining all the time. And because of that, we're able to show that we are more secure than the average. We're not perfect. It's always going to, uh, you know, it's going to be a process that we have to keep at every day of every week of every month of every year. That's kind of the name of it. And, you know, when you, when you engage your techs, you develop, you develop them, you bring them into the fold, you make your processes better. And ultimately you have a more secure environment that you're able to provide evidence of, because it's not just a policy that you've written and it's not a ticket that's just being closed out, you know, every other day when it gets generated, it's actually something that you're engaging with. And that's not always the easiest. I, I, no. I get that, but I think that's, that is the challenge. And I think the, the tangible thing that you can do is just, you know, work on, you know, not being perfect today, but, you know, work off the right principles. Uh, oh, geez. Approach. How many times have I heard that? Like do iterations next. You're going to tell me that you're a big fan of Matt. You Lee. Said I hope that. he's listening. I you hope he's listening. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Yeah. Iterations. Yes. Iterations do help. Well, for those of you listening, um, this is the last Tuesday before ChannelCon actually starts. So if you're planning to be there, I hope to see you. There's an MSP Ignite pre-day, and I know other vendors are doing a pre-day. Then we are yeah. kicking off cyber programs with a workshop on Tuesday morning. So Chase, are you going to be there or did, is Charles letting you go? I he asked me to go and unfortunately it is my girlfriend's birthday so uh it's wow, during her birthday, so. birthday yeah you know she could go with you to Vegas yeah I don't think I don't think she's a Vegas girl though she's uh <laughs> I I offered that and she was like eh, I think I'm good yeah so. well maybe I'll send you some cake from the uh Sin City yeah so, uh... <laughs> Well, I, for well, unfortunately, we won't I'll see Chase there. I'll go with some money to bring her a good gift, you know? There you go. There you go. I'll be there so, next year, probably, if it's uh, right. not her, another overlap. Her birthday will still land on the same day. Vegas oh. is always, or sorry, ChannelCon is always the first week of August. Well, I got a year to convince her, so we'll see how it goes. There you go. Maybe we'll get an announcement at this ChannelCon for the next venue that might sell her in advance. So we'll hope, we'll hope fingers crossed for that one. So, all right. Well, hey, everybody out there, thanks and have a great week.